please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 31st of March 2021, and you've tuned in for another live Morning Expresso. So first thing to do, if you don't want to listen to this in English, but would prefer to choose another language, you can select on the button below. We've got different choices there and uh, we have live translations uh, going on. So that's one option. We also have a, a Q&A button. So if you'd like to ask questions along the way, please click there. You can, of course, always send emails to nordiafunds at nordia.com. Right, this morning we are going to start with a macro piece. And for that, I am joined by Sebastian Gali, who is our resident senior macro strategist. So good morning. Hello, Sebastian. Good morning. Hi. So, Sebastian, um, you see a weaker euro in the months ahead, and I was just wondering, why is that? Yeah, so if we focus on the slide of euro dollar, um, what you can see is essentially that it's been trending uh, downwards. So it's been uh, trending downwards very gently recently, and it's all within the uh, long-term average, which is the, the green line that you can see. And why is it trending downwards? One is because monetary policy is expected to eventually be uh, not so loose in the United States. The US Treasury 10-year yield is rising. It's uh, right now below 180%, for example. And this is much more appealing than what you can see in the Eurozone. Then in terms of just broad momentum within the Eurozone economy, it's for now weak uh, because of difficulties with vaccines, because of the propagation of the disease, particularly in Germany, as well as in France. And the consequence of that is to drive the demand for the euro lower and the demand for the dollar higher. And that means to us that euro dollar drifts towards 115, possibly down as, um, as much as to 112. This, of course, is uh, has an impact on uh, your investments. Yeah, exactly. So we've also seen um, tensions rising between uh, China and the US, but also perhaps more surprisingly, also Europe. So what do you see as the most likely outcome of this latest development? The uh, most likely outcome is that uh, what you have is essentially a lot of rhetoric, a lot of pressure, um, but it has to be time with the elections in the United States. And what they've seen is that the Trump administration has essentially lost a trade war with uh, China. And, and that means they're going to be very prudent. And the, what they're trying to do is not necessarily confront China, of course, they're doing it, but reforming the US economy. That is what they're just striving to do with a three trillion package, which is going to be uh, announced uh, roughly around Wednesday. Uh, but they are going to put pressure on the Chinese to let their currency appreciate. And that means limited trade sanctions. Um, and that, of course, is, is unhelpful, but it is widely expected. So expect some trade frictions, expect some pressure upwards on the on the renminbi i expect a lot of rhetoric but this is not the trump world exactly so maybe just to summarize we'll pull up um, our key takeaways and maybe you can add some comments to this as well so um, first of all we think that the euro is likely to to undershoot against the dollar and um, yeah 
we don't expect too much, you know, <laughs> it remain contained, but nevertheless, we, we expect Euro weakness. Yeah, a lot of it is already priced into the US Treasury curve, and more is going to be priced in, but the currencies are in G10 not particularly appealing, so it takes a lot to move a currency. And then on the other side, we've seen um, tensions rising um, with between China and the West, um, and this probably means a stronger renminbi going forward. It probably does, and that's the counterintuitive element of this, because you would expect that in a, in a potential trade friction uh, or trade war, uh, you would let the currency weaken, but it's not really also in the interest of China. Over the long run, they cannot allow low-value added companies to uh, be so important within the economy. They move to, need to move up the value chain, something they've been doing it over years and years and years. Uh, and that means they have to be willing to accept some form of strength in the currency. Of course, it should be a moderate one. Great. Well, thank you for that, Sebastian. Uh, good talking to you and speak to you again soon, no doubt. Thank you. So now we move on to the main section. And for this, we are joined by Kong Che of Man New Life uh, Investment Management. And KK is Portfolio Manager of Nordea's Chinese Equity Strategy. So good morning, KK. Good morning, Paul. Hi. Um, I, I guess you were listening there to, to Sebastian. Uh, let's let's see if you if you agree with his uh, his scenarios because uh, obviously you're based out in in Hong Kong and very involved uh, in in China. So my first question, really, I, I guess, is the big picture stuff. You know, how is the underlying economy going right now in China? Yes, uh, if you look at you, you, if you can look at the slide uh, on the left side, you can see that. Uh, China is, uh, is really going through the second phase of uh, recovery. Uh, and uh, you, as I mentioned before, the industrial profit is actually uh, 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 rising quite quickly because of uh, uh, the lockdown in the rest of the world in second half uh, last year. And, and China export actually gained market share uh, in global exports. So, and, yeah. and as a result, uh, the, the manufacturers become more profitable and at the same time, uh, they increase in uh, capital expend expenditure. As you can see, the fixed asset investment on the light blue uh, line is actually picking up uh, quite strongly. This is especially important because uh, since the so-called trade war between China and US in the uh, late uh, 2018, uh, manufacturers have been reducing their capex. As, as you can see, the, the light blue line was uh, falling the last 18 months. And they sort of U-turn in second half of last year. And that U-turn is actually quite uh, significant and, and it will last uh, uh, likely to be more than 18 months. So we are only seeing the beginning part of a, a CapEx cycle. And uh, we are further encouraged by the, the, the results uh, 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 announcement uh, uh, during the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, the Chinese uh, uh, manufacturers are actually uh, talking about raising capex, the auto uh, manufacturers are raising capex. The uh, the technology uh, and you can see uh, the technical companies are also raising uh, raising uh, capital expenditure. And you can see that there's a lot of shortage uh, in the world now uh, because of the uh, the the recovery. And 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 what uh, is a bit uh, unique for China is that uh, even if the there's another outbreak uh, uh, of uh, uh, COVID. Uh, the lockdown uh, would not impact so much because uh, China uh, is quite efficient in, in managing this uh, uh, 
this pandemic and uh, they recover very quickly and, uh, and also vaccination is also picking up very strongly in China. Yeah, we've seen that before, haven't we? How quickly uh, we can go into lockdowns in China and, and contain uh, the spread of, of viruses. But uh, let's hope that it doesn't come to that again. Let's hope that we're past that now. Um, so we've seen uh, heightened volatility in global equities um, you know, across the board, actually. But it's basically because of inflation expectations and, and surging US yields, um, particularly in the West. Where do we stand in terms of inflation and the rate cycle um, in China? Yes, uh, if you can look at the slide uh, on the right side, you can see that the uh, 10 year yeah. treasury uh, bond yields actually start to uh, arise uh, as early as second half last year, I think somewhere in June, July. It was at a low of almost 2.5%. They have risen about uh, 70 basis point to about 3.2 now. Uh, so you, although uh, this is also a reflection on, on stronger recovery and also a bit of uh, that the, the Chinese uh, central bank is actually start to tighten as early as uh, last June. So uh, if you look at that, uh, the, 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 the yield spread between the, the, the China 10 year and, and, and US 10 year is still quite uh, high. It's mm -hmm. talking about uh, almost a 1.5 to 1.6% uh, differences. And it's still quite, quite attractive uh, for global bond investors to, to look at the China bonds. That's why we do think that uh, there will be a lot of uh, stress on, 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 on this uh, bond yield. And if you look at the left-hand side, in fact, CPI is not uh, very high. Uh, the, thanks to the high uh, uh, the pork prices, which is a big percentage of, uh, of uh, CPI in China, uh, uh, is, uh, is actually very high last year, uh, uh, especially in the first half. That's why on a year-on-year -year basis, the CPI number has a high base to compare to, and, and you can see the CPI has the green line on the left. It's actually not uh, increasing. It's, 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 uh, I think it's, uh, it's close to zero. Yep. And uh, but uh, at the same time, you know that uh, the commodity prices has, has been rising, and uh, oil prices have been rising. Uh, you know, all kinds of uh, copper, steel prices are rising. So actually, driving up PPI. So we have a a, a bit of a, a squeeze on those uh, uh, in between the manufacturers. So we are that is also a very important sign for us. Uh, when we buy, uh, if uh, you want to invest in a manufacturing company, you, you, are, you must be ensured that uh, they have good uh, pricing power. They can actually pass on the price and there's no, not really a, a big oversupply situation because from this chart, the consumer won't bear the, the increased cost, the, uh, the, the manufacturer will bear it. So at the same, uh, so uh, the gist of it is that uh, I don't think uh, CPI will cause uh, a runaway uh, inflation. Uh, 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 no, no, the commodity cost prices won't cause uh, uh, runaway inflation in China, and the bond yield is actually high enough to, to, uh, to, uh, to offset the risk. And yeah. as, as, as Sebastian has mentioned, I, I believe uh, renminbi is still uh, uh, quite strong, and it's quite stable between 6.5, uh, 6.6 uh, level, and uh, the, that's what the, the, the central bank wants, the Chinese central Central bank one, and uh, because they they want uh, 
more international investor investing in their ten-year bond. Uh, this is a is a, a medium-term move for them to internationalize uh, the Chinese yuan. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because certainly my clients are talking more and more about China bonds as well as equity, and uh, of course your colleagues over at Manulife also uh, manage our um, Remimbi bond strategy. So. Uh, yeah, the, the yields on that are, are particularly high. And of course, on the hunt for yield, it's, it's perhaps an interesting play uh, over there. But of course, KK, you're, you're more interested in equities and the equity market. So how about, you know, in terms of valuation, is China still, uh, Chinese equity, is it still attractive in terms of valuations? Yes, uh, you can look at this uh, chart. Uh, you can see uh, actually earnings growth in China is uh, pretty uh, high as well. It's almost yeah. similar to U.S. Uh, rebound, but of course, uh, U.S. has a lower base. And then, but uh, I could say uh, the the earnings certainty in China is actually higher. Uh, as I said uh, before, the the even if there's a, a potential second or third wave of the COVID infection, uh, is is shown that uh, they are able to uh, to maintain uh, uh, economic growth. So this uh, earnings visibility is is, is pretty high. And you look at the uh, in terms of uh, PE valuation and price to book valuation, it is still uh, quite uh, lower than uh, US and also lower than the world average. So uh, uh, in short, uh, although certain sectors in China is a bit expensive, the, the growth sectors, uh, the, uh, the internet sectors like the US, but uh, there are still uh, a lot of uh, interesting uh, recovery uh, sectors they are trading at uh, quite low valuation. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point you bring up there because certainly we're we're seeing um, sector rotation and uh, you know some of the growth stocks like you're saying haven't done quite so well and we've seen a sort of shift the beginning of a shift towards value um, as well as some of the rotation we like you were saying with um, you know commodity prices going up you know obviously that's feeding into the markets as well so is it the same for China do you see do you see that sector rotation as well and you know where do you see opportunities within within China equity. Uh, yes, there is definitely a rotation, as you can see from this uh, screen. Yep. Yeah, uh, you look at it, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of sectors, uh, especially those uh, so-called uh, so uh, value sectors, the likes of insurance, real estate, they are trading at uh, historical low PE. So uh, you can see there's, uh, there's uh, a lot of opportunities uh, uh, exist in, 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 in China as well. And uh, we are actually quite early in positioning in, in some of the industrial material stocks. And uh, in, in, uh, increasingly, we are actually quite positive the real estate uh, companies as well, because the, there's a bit of a, a change in land policy to make uh, uh, land uh, more available uh, for the developers and, 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 uh, and actually help them to uh, maintain a good margin. And for the industrial side, uh, because we are early in terms of the believing that the capex cycle is coming uh, we are actually quite overweight in the industrial sector and uh, they tend uh, they tend to do uh, continue to do well uh, with the economic recovery okay so going back to some of the key investment themes um, could you give us some updates on consumption in particular now what's the consumption trend like right now in in china yes uh, the consumption is uh, pretty healthy and uh, if you look at this chart, uh, there's a, a new growth area that uh, the the new the e-commerce players are actually looking at. Uh, 
in order to drive uh, e-commerce penetration from uh, 28% uh, now to uh, to the to 40% in the next uh, four or five years, they're actually uh, targeting very tough to sell agriculture products. They bring agriculture products uh, uh, online, uh, uh, but uh, that is happening because uh, during the COVID lockdown, the uh, 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 the the older generation uh, actually uh, uh, start to buy uh, uh, groceries, agriculture products online, and uh, yeah. and that they're enjoying that. And, and the e-commerce players are pretty innovative. They they think of a uh, of a, a good proposition for them uh, to pick up uh, uh, those uh, grocery at a, 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 a neighborhood point. Uh, near their uh, real, uh, real their, where they stay, uh, instead of delivery to their house, they, they, they say like, uh, we call it uh, 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 a collection point. Uh, what we call it uh, uh, is a community group purchase kind of a mentality where uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a community group purchase leader that collects orders from the rest of the uh, estate and actually order online and uh, get delivered and, and collect at that site. So that okay. actually uh, reduce a lot of cost on delivery and it, it, and then the e-commerce e player actually offer this uh, reduction in cost to the consumer and at the same time it's a very healthy uh, 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 promotion on, on this adoption on this uh, uh, so-called uh, community group purchase on, uh, especially on uh, agriculture products. So you can see the growth rate is actually pretty high. Uh, online uh, sales are actually growing at 33% KGA in the next five years. And the community group purchase is actually uh, north of 50 plus percent. This is actually particularly uh, strong in the lower tier cities. Uh, and, and, and that will actually encourage more uh, e-commerce penetration. Yeah. So it's interesting, this, this idea of a, it's like a cooperative, isn't it? I guess a bunch yes. of people getting together ordering on bulk, getting it cheaper, getting delivered to a local point, and then they go and collect it from, from there. And I guess, you know, it's the same with the online ordering, the older generations being forced into it because of the situation. But these trends, once they're in, in motion, they're unlikely to stop completely. You know, th this will continue into the future, right? Yes, uh, especially uh, they find that it's, it's actually quite fun and uh, it's very good for, for me. I mean, now they actually buy everything online instead of uh, going uh, offline, bring the stuff back to home. Yeah. So uh, another widely discussed topic globally is sustainability. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder what theme and what areas we can look at when it comes to, to China in terms of sustainability. Yes, uh, China is actually pushing quite aggressively for uh, to be carbon neutral by 2060 and uh, max carbon uh, emission by 2030. So there are actually uh, uh, many long-term policies being introduced. And we see the, the, the as in the chart shown, uh, the EV uh, electric vehicle policy is actually uh, pretty encouraging. Out of the 2 million uh, EV, uh, electric vehicle sales uh, in the world last year, half of it come from China. And that mm -hmm. growth rate will actually grow quite quickly by 3x uh, by the 2025. The, uh, uh, China expected to sell 4.5 million units of uh, uh, EV uh, by 2025. That is almost 20% wow. of the total car sales in China. So the, that is actually uh, uh, bring out a lot of uh, high growth in, in not only the EV, uh, 
uh, car makers, but also uh, uh, auto parts, uh, especially uh, the battery, as you can see from the, the, uh, the screen on the right side, uh, 50%, yeah. 53% of the uh, uh, global EV uh, batteries actually produced in China. And uh, it's a very inter interesting ecosystem that is uh, uh, developing and, and, and uh, and not only uh, battery will be used for EV, uh, it will be also used for uh, as, as a form of storage for the renewable energy like uh, solar and wind in the future. So uh, this has a long uh, runway to grow. That's why we are pretty uh, positive on the whole uh, uh, battery ecosystem as well as and some uh, EV auto parts. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in China has a lot of the the raw materials you need to, to, to build these uh, EVs. And uh, like you say, uh, a lot of it is being produced in China, being exported around the world. So uh, it's not just in China that we're seeing these growth rates. Certainly over here, regulation is, is almost forcing certainly corporate buyers of, of fleets you know, to, to go at least hybrid or full electric. So I guess it, this is another mega trend that we're going to see for years to come. Yes, and, and now it has uh, approached a price point where you don't need too much government subsidies uh, for the electric vehicle. It's actually, uh, it's, it's, cheap, uh, uh, it's, it's almost uh, as, as, as cheap as a, a combustion engine uh, vehicle and you actually save a lot on, 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 on patrol using an EV. Yeah. Great. Now, normally we have a key takeaway slide, but uh, instead this week we've we've got a sort of key reasons slide, if you like. Um, so we're just going to pull that one up now. And, uh, you know, there, there are three questions, you know, why China equity? Why now? And why Manulife? So maybe you could uh, take us through through this slide, if that's all right. Yes, definitely. Uh, yes. Uh, why China equities? I think there's a very strong uh, structural uh, teams on uh, China equities. Uh, we identified uh, uh, three of them. Uh, first of all, it's a consumption upgrade. Uh, this story has been uh, well told, but I, I think interestingly, there are a lot of uh, growth area in the service uh, uh, area, uh, uh, in terms of education, in terms of healthcare services. And uh, we also like the team of uh, uh, R&D and, and innovative company, uh, because there's a lot of uh, potential to replace uh, uh, higher value added uh, imports uh, and, and, and and some of the companies are actually spending on R&D and their the effort is being uh, realized through their new products, new services they launch. And thirdly, uh, 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 a policy-driven team, uh, uh, which is also interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, the carbon neutral, uh, neutrality uh, push by China is actually an important team that we should uh, monitor. And uh, why now? Uh, China uh, equity is actually quite underrepresented by the global indices, uh, even in 18, where the domestic Asia is uh, uh, added, uh, it's just only 5% of uh, the global indices, uh, that will actually definitely go up. Uh, you, look, you look at the, the contribution of China in terms of uh, global growth is 30%. So uh, the, the, the Chinese equity is actually underrepresented and, and they're also freeing up uh, so-called uh, capital flow uh, between uh, uh, allowing uh, uh, 
foreigners to buy into domestic share via the Hong Kong Connect program, as well as letting domestic uh, liquidity to go into Hong Kong to buy Hong Kong stocks. So there's a two uh, capital full uh, liberalization. So that will actually uh, uh, garner more interest in, in Chinese equities. Mm-hmm. And why manual life the most important? And because we are uh, <laughs> bottom up stock pickers, uh, we are good in identifying uh, uh, under research big cap companies uh, that is growing very nicely, but uh, it's under the radar of the most sell side analysts. And we tend to discover this gem earlier than others. And we, uh, we, we have been uh, proven uh, stock pickers uh, with 80% of our uh, alpha generation actually coming from stock selection. Great. Well, last time we spoke, I mentioned, you know, that I put some of my own money into into uh, Chinese equity. I, I think that it's a strong story. And uh, yeah, I'm, it's one that I'm following particularly with interest. So uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's great. Thank you very much for the update. Um, so next week on the 7th of April, we will be talking to our corporate governance team. And what we'll be doing is uh, looking at what it means to be an active owner, uh, voting in AGMs, uh, but also how we go about engaging with uh, companies that Nordir Asset Management owns on behalf of investors. So don't miss that one. In the meantime, of course, you can always visit our Stay Alert microsite and you'll find that at nordia.lu. And there, of course, we have all of the previous uh, recordings that we've done and those interviews we also turn into podcasts so you can listen to them as podcasts or watch them uh, as videos. That's it for this week. I'll see you next Wednesday.